Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content, just in time for the Cubs to kind of not suck again. If you like the show, leave a five-star review and a rating to help other people find us. We've still got all the series-by-series series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about why this Pirates series is the most critical series the Cubs have had since their series with the Pirates last week and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Great. <laughs> I mean, what can I complain about? The Cubs go 5-1 and one on their little homestand there. Bleacher Bun, uh, Bleacher Bum Band has a brand new album. Thanks for coming to our concert, Sarah. We had a blast. Uh, I, th- I think the show, I think we sounded good. I think that everybody had a good time, had a few beers. Uh, we gave away a bunch of prizes. Um, the album came out on all the streamers. So everything went off without a hitch. And now I'm tired, but I am also happy. I'm a, I'm a happy kind of tired. And the Cubs, they won on the day that uh, we released the album, which makes it even better. It's like the cherry on top. And we're beating uh, good teams. First place, Pirates beat them Orioles well they were in second place but they were first for a while and uh in a great division and we beat them two or three now maybe we got a little lucky in one of the games CB Buckner helped us out a little bit with with his you know lack of being able to see baseballs when they're thrown and whether they're strikes or not but thank you CB we'll take that game two every any day of the week but I feel good Sarah it's way better than last week It is better than last week. Last week felt like the Cubs season was hanging by a thread, and now it feels like maybe they might actually not have to sell off at the deadline. Um, Although most of the people who do national stuff still see a Cubs sell-off coming. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, Cubs fans. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, they were very good against the Pirates, and you were right. The Pirates came in here a first-place team. They left not a first-place team after uh, losing a few games to Milwaukee. I think they're in third right now. The Reds are in second place, which, you know – that Reds team, I'm telling you, Danny, they're a lot of fun. And frankly, like watching the Reds just like YOLO the division is is one of my favorite <laughs> things of the summer so far. I can't I can't tell you how how exciting it is to watch Ellie De La Cruz hit 458 foot missiles and not know that they're not supposed to be here. Yeah, or, or steal first base. I don't know if you saw that play. They there was like a routine grounder to first that they beat out by sliding into first head, you know, diving head first, which I don't really think you should do. Like if, if I'm a Reds fan, I don't love seeing Ellie De La Cruz diving into first base when trying to race a guy to a bag, but he made it and he's super fast and exciting. But the question is in the central, who is going to add? Because anybody it's anybody's. It's kind of exciting that way. Like 500 team takes it, (laughs) you know, in that way, it could be a fun, could be a five-way tie. Everybody 81 and 81 at the end of the just total chaos. But who, anybody who gets hot for a month is going to take the division. So are the Reds willing to add to this? Are they willing to trade from like whatever depth that they feel they had that somebody else might need in order to add a, a player that they could use right now to win? Um, because I think the Brewers are sellers. The Cubs people are saying are sellers. They could add, get a cup, get a bullpen arm, like, you know, kind of tinker, tinker with it, you know, uh, add somebody that's major league ready. that can help you out right now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Cubs need a front line. Everybody needs pitching, you know, everybody, the Brewers have it, but that's all they have. 
So <laughs> it'd be nice if like we could form one team, one <laughs> NL Central team to take them all down, you know, to face the AL East. I mean, I'm going to worry about the AL East later. I think that the Cubs have to get through the actual division first. Um, they look good over this homestand. I mean, they went five and one. I don't know how much of that is Cody Bellinger being back in the lineup. I mean, he, he didn't have a great series. It's not like Cody Bellinger did incredible things that made stuff happen. The triple that he hit yesterday wound up being called an air at the end of the day. I mean, I, I, if you look at the numbers, it honestly doesn't look like Cody Bellinger was like that big of a presence, but he did stabilize some things over at first base. He's a really good first baseman. Like he's just a good defender period. And I think that that helped a lot. Um, the back end of the lineup looks a little bit better when he's, you know, hitting fifth, sixth, and then you can put Morel in right after him. And you've got a little bit of power and thump there in the lineup to drive in some of the guys that get on base. Uh, let's just talk through some of these games that happened against the Orioles. I mean, game one, Hendricks was good again. Like if this is the Kyle Hendricks that we're going to see over the course of the summer, I think that that bodes well for the Cubs going forward. Um, the thing that I really loved here, you know, they had that three home run third inning, which was really fun. But what I really liked was the crooked number that they put up in the sixth. Uh, we were hanging out at this game together and, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, they waited for you to arrive at the ballpark to score all those runs, Sarah. It was, it was, uh, yeah, that was a fun, that was fun because they were scoring runs in different ways. Uh, the solo shot thing, I don't love all the time, but I don't know how much you can control that when your home runs are going to come. But, um, you know, but to go back to back to almost back, or it was back to then out, then back to back. I think that's how it went. It doesn't matter. But it's nice to see it that way. And the other way, when they're just hit after hit after hit, like the hit parade going, um, which is really more their style because they don't, they haven't been hitting a lot of home runs. So it's kind of good to see both, especially with the crowd kind of rocking at Wrigley, a lot of Orioles fans in town. The weather was beautiful really all weekend long. And, um, you know, I feel like I really do feel the home cooking the like Saturday, the Saturday game, we win three to two. It doesn't feel like the Cubs should have won that game. Like Orioles making weird errors you know, it, it, leaving a lot of guys on base. We got out hit. So, but with the Wrigley crowd at your back, I feel like the Cubs are more than the sum of their parts at home. And the record proves it. Um, I'll, I'm looking up their uh, Cubs home and road record right now. Um, unless you have it in front of you. But um, it really does feel like, you know, when there could be magic in the air when the Cubs are at Wrigley Field. Is it enough I mean, I don't know. You see this team. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Um, in terms of home and road record, it looks like. Oh, yeah. They're they're eight. They're wait. They're nine under. No, eight under at away and three over at home. Yeah, they're 20 and 17 at home. They're 13 and 21 on the road. I mean, you might there might be something to that. I mean, honestly, I just I'm looking at the different ways you can break the record up here really just looks like they were bad in May, man. I, the one thing I liked about that Orioles win, the second game, the three, two game, uh, you know, Justin Steele was back. He was solid. He was on a pitch count. And I, I actually was a little bit, I mean, complaint department open a bit. Like I was a little bit concerned that he hit, I think it was like right around 59, 60 pitches. 
and they didn't have anybody up in the pen, right? Like it was just like, you knew he was on a pitch count. You knew he was only supposed to throw 60 or 65 because of what had just happened. And Justin Steele's just out there with one out still throwing. And I think he came back out again. Like he, he actually threw a, a phenomenal number of innings given his pitch count. Right. Like I think Justin Steele went, he went five. Yeah. And with a 60, well, and he ended up, ended up throwing like 70, 72 pitches. I think he went over his pitch count, but so that was, I hope encouraging. I hope there's no uh, signal of the forearm strain or anything like that problematic. I mean, that was a day where I really thought they were going to need to piggyback Assad or Wisniewski. I mean, I think I told you I was frustrated that Javier Assad came into the first game uh, with Hendricks because I was worried that he wouldn't be available for if Wisniewski couldn't piggyback with Justin Steele, like the Cubs didn't have a long man in the rotation and they wound up not even needing it because between Merriweather, Leiter and Alzali, they were able to get all of the outs that they needed at the end of the game, which kudos to the Cubs, man, for finally having the back end of a bullpen that can shut down the game for three innings. That was well, nice to see. And, and I'll tell you, I did not hate Assad in garbage time. I know we talked about this a little bit at the game because he hasn't been good. So I'm like, give him a little low pressure situation. You tried it in the high pressure because you saw it in the World Baseball Classic and it doesn't has not transferred over to the major leagues and the season. And so I didn't hate that. I mean, he ate some innings at a time that you needed him to. But but yeah, I mean, the bullpen circle of trust. I mean, now you get Fulmer in the sixth. Nobody's perfect out of the bull. You just don't have that, you know, like in. Let's, I mean, every, every team from now on is going to be compared to 2016 and all that stuff. But you, when you had like Hector Rondon and he was l- lights out and Pedro Strope and he was at the top of his game, but really by the numbers, best Cubs reliever of all time, Pedro Strope, you know, maybe not in certain metrics like saves and stuff, but absolutely one of the most effective relievers we've ever had. But then you add to it Chapman at the end of that year, and it just is ridiculous. Like if you have the lead, you're going to win the game. Is how it feels. You just you know route to it. We don't have that really elite back end, but some arms are emerging as being more productive and helpful than others at this point of the season. Everybody's new. The team is so new and just like the travel ball boys that we, that we call them. And it's just like, they're just on this team this year and they may not be next year. The, you know, when I look at the, you know, this series and the Cubs, I mean, they got the job done, but I don't know. The ball was just bouncing our way. Uh, Orioles look better than the Cubs and we won anyway. Or they yeah, just, I think that's right. I think that the Orioles down to us. The yeah. Orioles look like a more competitive team than the Cubs in a lot hurt. of ways. They're going to get some of their guys back. Um, Mullins has been out. Um, Mountcastle has been out. Uh, so when they get their guys back, though, we caught them at a good time where we could take two or three. It's a shame the Cubs couldn't sweep because I was in the mood to be like, all right, you know, crap or get off the pot. Let's go win 10 straight, take over the division. You stop on some next. Let's let the, the kids know that these veteran Cubs are here to play. We figured out the bullpen. We figured out what we're doing here. We got a team together. Nobody's hurt. Let's go into the all-star break in first place. Like I thought that that's what we might do. And like, they couldn't, 
get a real streak to go. Five is impressive. Five's nice. But championship teams can win like 10 in a row, wouldn't you say? Oh, obviously, yes. I mean, it's it's funny. Uh, you were talking about going on a streak and like making it to the top of the division, the playoffs. I'm actually looking at the fan graphs um, playoff odds right now. And the team that has really emerged from this week with the luckiest fate is the Brewers, right? So the Cubs helped their playoff odds quite a bit. They're, uh, they got themselves up to a 19% chance uh, two days ago to make the playoffs down to a 15% chance. Now they are slightly ahead of the Reds and the Pirates, but everybody's just kind of clustered there in like 14.7% to 10% in that whole little slew there with the Reds, Cardinals, Pirates, uh, and Cubs all together. And then Milwaukee is the team that has really thrived here where they've got like a 57% chance to make the playoffs and really seem to be in the driver's seat. But as you pointed out before, they have a lot of expiring contracts. They're going to have to make some decisions. Like if they don't think they can win at all this year, then they need to, they're going to be a worse team after the trade deadline. And I, I really think that this Cubs team could push all in for, you know, one more bullpen arm, a bat that can bop in the middle of that lineup. Um, I don't know, do a little bit of damage, like stop Tucker Barnhart time and just let us see what Miguel Amaya can do. Although I hope Miguel Amaya is okay, man. That ball he took off the wrist yesterday was pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, you've got, I mean, right now you just can kind of tread water here for a moment. Um, you just, you can't, you go, it's funny. Cause you think about what to add to the Cubs, you know, and look around, you, you think, well, we don't really have a first baseman or a third baseman, but you also have three first basemen and three third basemen, you know, like at the same time, your outfield's kind of set except for center fields, but that's been good too. You're like, ah, oh, Talkman's been playing well, like he could do that. And one of our first basemen, like could be Cody Bellinger or do you trade Bellinger and let Mervis and all of a sudden he's magically good. Like there's all these things and you wouldn't trade Mervis really, unless you think you could get something like that's major league ready now to help you. But where do you upgrade? Well, obviously the bullpen. So a real closer might be nice, but then you're like, well, Cody Hoyer could come back and do it, you know? So I don't know like how they're going to tinker with things or they're just going to kind of let it ride in this position. Or do you take your expiring contracts and get worse at this point where Marcus Stroman is like leading the league in pretty much everything. When it comes to pitching metrics, he's been super effective this year. Anybody would be had to have glad to have him on their team. Um, Bellinger, I mean, coming back from the injury, like he's got value, I guess. Somebody's going to want him, right? Lefty bat. I mean, great defense. Like so, somebody really going for it. But who is really going for it? Because everybody's sitting here playing chicken. Well, I mean, the teams in the NL East are going for it. The Braves are going for it. The Marlins are going for it. The Mets are going for it. it. The Dodgers are going for it. The Diamondbacks are going for it. I mean, I think the NL Central is just kind of a muddled, muddled place. I, you know, I wonder about the Bellinger thing. There's a piece that I've been meaning to read this morning uh, that I have not read yet. So um, I don't know what the argument is about Cody Bellinger in the athletic. And I, 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 it seems pretty clear that this team, when Bellinger was hurt 
And there was, God, I hate buying into like the veteran presence narrative that this front office views so much. But when Bellinger was hurt and they had let Hosmer go and they were trying to like just piece it together with some of the young kids and like Talkman and center field and whatever was struggling. Like this team was not playing the best baseball. And for whatever reason, Bellinger being at first has, has solidified things a bit. Now, obviously that could just be a lucky six games. The homestand came at the right time. Like, Everybody started firing on all cylinders. The bullpen sucked a little bit less. I don't know. But the offense does look very different with that bat functioning in the lineup. I just wonder how much of that is something the Cubs are going to lean into. And frankly, like Cody Bellinger wants to get paid, right? Like he wants a long-term deal to get paid. And I just don't know if the Cubs are going to do that with having Pete Crow Armstrong and Matt Mervis in the mind. Yeah, I mean that's that's the real question. I mean, you have got younger guys at at what Bellinger does, and Bellinger's got the history of injuries, but he's been solid. But it's a really small sample size because uh, he got hurt again, and he was out for longer than anybody expected, which is a little disconcerting. And it's not like teams are stupid, but I mean that he's got a month and a week to prove uh, who he is this year. And can he do both these things? Can he play center field? Can he play first base? Who needs a center fielder? Who needs a first base? That's that's important too. You know, like who's who's looking upgrade at that position right now? Because I asked the same question to because Pirates were just in first place. My friend Brian comes on the Sun Ranto show last night. Will you add as a fan? Would you want to add? He's like, absolutely not. He's like, we've got guys in the minors that are coming through. They're going to be up by the end of this year if we win it with these guys in this. You know redheaded stepchild of a division then uh fine but there's no way i want to trade from uh any strength but the question is who is going to go for it and i i, I mean the cubs aren't going to win the division if they trade stroman and bellinger they will fade down the stretch without those guys like there's no one to really take their place unless you go with pca and you're like hey come on up let's see what you got that's what the reds would do what the pirates are doing they got their hot shot first round pick catcher coming up yeah henry davis that's gonna be fun to see yeah i mean but we don't do that like we're like no they need more seasoning the cubs Cubs don't have those dudes i mean i (coughs) no offense like morell is kind of playing like that dude but he was not supposed to be that dude and he came up last year like this is kind of his sophomore campaign right like the guy who was supposed to come up this year and make an impact was matt mervis and i i like the quality of contact metrics that Mervis has shown, like I actually think he's been really unlucky in his time in the major so far and he'll come back and be a contributor, but is he going to come back and be a contributor like Anthony Rizzo? I I mean, I don't know, man, like that's what the Cubs need him to be, to be able to fill in for one of those spots. And I just really don't know if that's going to happen. And there's not, I mean, I would put PCA's clock on like August, September, if that probably looking more like next year, Miguel Amaya has come up sooner than anticipated and been really helpful. But like, I just, I don't know, Danny, who's the guy in the Cubs minor league system that's supposed to come up and be that, be the Ellie De La Cruz or the Matt McClain. Like, do they have that guy? I don't think they do. Well, and it's, well, we don't know because it's all very new. And even when they do come together, you know, these guys have played together, I guess, in the minors a lot, but when at the big league level, they've, they need time to gel and, um, Man, it's just really tough to know what they're thinking right now. I mean, Jed is playing his cards close to the vest to the point where when he speaks, 
I don't even listen to him anymore because I'm not going to learn anything. Like there's never going to be anything new that he's going to say or revealing in any, it's just going to be a bunch of like business speak and he, and good. That is what he should do. He shouldn't be out there laying his cards on the table, but at the same time, as a Cubs fan, you're like, you're hoping that he has the best interest of the team at heart, not Rick's pocketbook, you know? So, uh, and, and that he's not playing too much fantasy baseball in his head with real life players, you know, because sometimes I, I feel like, you know, maybe in a situation like this where I'm, I'm the fans might be asking for few more, more years of Stroman and they might be asking for like solidify something, give, go, give Cody Bellinger an extension right now, like, or something, do something like that. And then add these young guys and they're not, there's not pressure for them to play every day or something like that, you know, and you solidify your veteran presence on your team with guys you like that you've already chosen that are already here. You know, that signals, I think to free agents next off season too, that regardless of what happens this year, that you're willing to commit to a team. I don't know if that's the right move or not, but, if you trade those guys and get what you can now and get even younger, get more prospects, you're definitely kicking the can down the road even further than you already have. So it's really, it's a really transitional off season for the entire NL central, but mostly Cubs and Brewers. Yeah. The difference is the Brewers might be backed into a corner because they feel like they have to sell because they're the smallest market team in baseball and they have to be like one step ahead of every front office in order to be competitive and to like extend those competitive windows as long as possible. The Cubs have done this to themselves. Like they can go out and spend money on players. They, they print you and I were there this weekend. Like that place was rocking and the team is not that great. Like, and it was, you know, super packed and beautiful weather and it was the freaking Orioles of all teams I mean no offense to the Orioles the Orioles are great but it's not like the Orioles are a huge draw in Chicago like that was just people wanting to be at Wrigley Field and wanting to be out in the sun watching some baseball and I just I would like this front office to commit to winning at this moment in time and I would like to know I would like that to be exciting on some level and I just we're, we're going to learn a lot, I think, with this series against the Pirates and then this London series, what this Cubs team can do. Because, frankly, I have been looking at this week as one of the most disruptive weeks on the Cubs schedule all season long. If you think of baseball players as dudes who have routines and dudes who, like, show up the same way every day and they're trying to just get on a run, try, like, this week is designed to disrupt that in every way, shape, or form. But let's take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we can talk through what's going to happen in this Pirate Series. We can take a look uh, ahead ahead to the end of the week with the London Series. We'll have some fun content um, that we're preparing there for y'all. But um, first, a quick break. And we're back. Okay, so the Cubs just saw the Pirates for the first time, and now we get to see the Pirates again. immediately the schedule is bonkers where you see like the same team for a week in a row i don't know why they did it this way i absolutely despise it yeah it's pretty bad too because uh it also it it makes it unbalanced in my head because the season is long and you catch teams at different times like i just said five seconds ago that that we caught the orioles at a time when they're banged up so it was beneficial to the cubs 
to see a division rival. It, now you just play them twice a year anyway, instead of three times. And to see a division rival twice in a week feels like that does not. What I like to see is my division rivals like once a month kind of thing, you know, just to catch up with each other. And that makes more sense to me um, as far as keeping the rivalry kind of going within the division, but not a fan of the way this going, but I agree with you, Sarah. Um, disruptive is right. Games in London at noon and nine in the morning, not noon in the morning, I suppose, but uh, still early for a ball game. Even noon felt early for father's day with that stupid peacock game. Um, that they had it's just noon it's too early for baseball 120 that's that's the time for it um but yeah i mean two days off in the middle time change then you fly back with really no day off well kind of a day off and then you're at home at least again but yeah i mean what pittsburgh doesn't scare me at all seeing them last week i feel like we should be able to go in there and beat the pants off of them again. Like, I don't see any reason why we can't just keep sweeping them. Um, that guy, uh, Beto. Yeah. That we saw we him again. I know. Well, apparently he was, he's like a 27 year old minor league guy. And they're like, yeah, we needed some guy to pitch. You're coming up. We don't want to start the clock on any of our real hotshot dudes that they've got coming up. So Beto comes up as a spot starter and, Modus down in his debut performance, six strikeouts in four innings. And now he's out there again tonight um, against Smiley, who really wasn't that good last time. So, I mean, the Pirates, they're not they're not that scary to me. Like, I feel like it's a fluke. They had no business being in first place. Even in a even in a bad division, seeing them. I mean, is Jack Sawinski in his home runs a fluke or does he just like doing that against the Cubs? Cause he was a Cubs fan. I mean, I think Jack Sawinski is actually a pretty decent major leaguer. I think that he's got power. He's got some speed. He plays plus uh center field. He definitely has some splits issues. Like he's better against some um, handedness guys than others, like pretty standard splits type of situation. And he's probably a player who should be in a platoon, but I don't know that the pirates really have a platoon for him. And when he gets hot, they definitely don't platoon him. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think that some of these guys are, are quite legit. What's most interesting about me or most interest. Blah, let me say that correctly. What is most interesting to the pot? Oh my gosh. <laughs> To you about the Pirates. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. and I don't know why I can't say it right now. I'm going to blame the fact that it's Monday, um, and I spent way too much time in the sun at Wrigley Field this weekend. <laughs> yes. I'm not even going to try to say it again. What Danny said um, <laughs> is that they're doing all of this without their big star. Like, the big star is O'Neal Cruz, and, and he has been out since April after he broke his ankle, right? So, like, the Pirates are pushed all in without their biggest star. I mean, they have an Ellie De La Cruz. His name is O'Neill Cruz and he hits the ball just as hard as Ellie De La Cruz. And he runs just as fast as Ellie De La Cruz. And he throws the ball just as hard as Ellie De La Cruz. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like if I'm the Cubs, I'm kind of looking at this, like, 
this might be the Reds and Pirates division of the future. Like, what do we, what do the Cubs have that is going to challenge them on that front other than cash travel that they ball. can use to spend on guys who hopefully are a little bit more exciting than what we currently have? We got the travel ball boys They're throwing it at you. I, Spiffy new unis. <laughs> I would take either De La Cruz or Cruz over the travel ball kids. I, I really feel like this is like that game in the Sandlot uh, movie where it's like the kids ride in on their spiffy bikes and their brand new uniforms and then just get absolutely <laughs> like pasted by the Sandlot kids. Yeah. The Cubs are the kids on the bikes. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. It's hard to root for those guys too. Um, but, you know, there's some Cubs I like. I mean, do you know what's going to be a fun game in this Pirate series? Uh, Rich Hill. Ex ex Cub great Rich Hill, um, against Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, let's talk about these pitching matchups. I mean, uh, there's a that's a classic though. So we've got the the Beto Beto will make his first and second major league starts against the Cubs because why not? Um, and Smiley go Monday night, Stroman and Oviedo on Tuesday night, and then Kyle Hendricks and Rich Hill, uh rounded out the series on Wednesday. I think that's a day game. And for some reason, I think it starts at like 1130 or 1140 central time because yeah. the Cubs have to get on a plane to fly overseas to, I, I don't know, man, this is why I find this whole week disruptive. Well, they use the getaway day in Pittsburgh on the East coast, Eastern time zone. It's, you know, they do an earlier start there at 1235. So it, yeah, it ends up being morning baseball, but, um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's going to be a weird week. A lot of, a lot of you like day games. Well, here you go. <laughs> this is the dayest day game that ever day gamed week. For real. Um, like I mean, 80. I don't know. I don't know. Smiley, Stroman, and Hendo have all been good. This could be great. I I could see this. I could see this going the Cubs' way. I could also see it going the Pirates' way. I mean, I just don't really know what to expect from this team at the moment i do like the fact that christopher morrell is not only uh hot again he is doing it with a really improved walk rate and an unbelievably improved strikeout rate and i am reticent to be the girl who is like oh yeah somebody has fixed a problem with say with something as basic as like a strikeout rate in a 14-day sample or anything of the sort, but Danny, check this out. So in the last 14 days, Christopher Morrell, his strikeout rate is 13.2%. Yeah. I, that is unbelievable to me. And it's so improved that in the last month, Christopher Morrell's strikeout rate is 25.3%. I was listening to the radio broadcast yesterday while I was in the stands and they were talking about how, um, Morell had a conversation with Dansby where Dansby asked him, he's like, why don't you take the approach that you have in batting practice to the field each day? Cause your approach in batting practice is better. You're just not whipping on some of that breaking and off speed stuff. And that that was apparently the difference maker for Morell, like that he's just been doing that. And that's what started the most recent hot streak. And I'm not going to lie. I don't think he's got a 15% strikeout rate in him going forward. But if he's got a 25, 22% strikeout rate in him going forward, along with the power that he has, that dude's an all-star. Like he, he's an all-star as long as he wants to be an all-star. 
Yeah. Um, Mike Waller from the Cubs PS Plus podcast uh, pointed out yesterday that Morell laid right before his home run, Morell laid off a pitch that he has been chasing pretty much his entire career since we've seen him. And it was a low and away slider or whatever, just dove out of the zone. The Javi pitch. The Javi pitch. And and he had already swung at one of those in the at bat. And he laid off one that was even closer. And then he hit a home run. <laughs> so like, and it was just, and if you look at the pitch sequence, it was like pitch number five, like he didn't bite at it. And I mean, that's just one pitch in one game in one season in one career. But it was just indicative of exactly what you're talking about is he was walking a little bit more. He was also um, getting um, instead of striking out, he was flying out. You know, he was lining out. He was, he was grounding out or, you know, doing other things. Um, He was getting base hits, hitting the ball really hard to the right to the third baseman and it eating him up and the ball skipping through because he hit it 115 miles an hour. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's not on the ballot, right? Because he wasn't on the opening day roster, so you got to write him in. Yeah, I don't even know if he's on the ballot. I haven't even checked. He's not. Oh, this is how how much I care about the Cubs this year. I have not voted in the All-Star. I'm like, who am I going to vote for? (laughs) The fans shouldn't pick anyway. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what we're doing. It's all just big market, going to get their guys in if they even care like this year i don't think cubs fans care because we're like i don't even know who our all-star is i mean it could be morell he's definitely exciting i mean it's it's from the pitching side though too like stroman is the best pitcher by some metrics in the national league right now right like he doesn't have he doesn't strike out the most guys but i think he leads the league in quality starts and he's on the era leaderboard i mean you and i were at the white Sox game the other day where they show the leaderboards for the NL and ERA and whip and everything. And they're at the top, Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele. Like it's hard to ignore that the Cubs have some of the best starting pitching in baseball. We just haven't reaped the benefits of it because the bullpen has been so terrible, but I, I think there's a case for Christopher Morrell, man. Christopher Morrell has hit, I think 13, 14 home runs in part-time play. <laughs> He's on the home yeah. run leaderboard. He didn't come up until May. Yeah. And remember what David Ross said? Oh, I don't know where we can find a place for him in this lineup. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> find a place, David. Find a place. Well, and they kind of have. I mean, they still won't blame at third base inexplicably. But, I mean, not that I'm saying he's going to be good. But they, I mean, I guess uh, you can kind of have like a Morel Tockman platoony thing going on in center a little bit that could happen you got the dh to play with he's been out there and left a little bit um you know kind of not platooning with hat but you know playing would give it half a day off or stuff but i mean yeah morell's got to be in there every day i i mean i just don't see how you you don't I wish they try him at third. I I just don't believe in Nick Madrigal. And that's part of like the trade conversation too. It's like, you've got all these kind of like wisdoms on the IL right now. So maybe um, you don't, you, you can't part with anybody right now. You get, you've got some depth there because Madrigal has been serviceable, but you know, he doesn't really hit the ball out of the infield and um, you, you know, he's not the greatest third baseman in the world. He's just not, 
a great fielder. He doesn't have much range. He's four foot tall. I mean, like, I don't know what to say. Like, it's just, it doesn't look right to me still. And, um, but can you trade him? No, because nobody else wants him either. I don't know what kind of value he really has. And, you know, wisdom, does he have value? Oh, he strikes out a bunch. It'll hit you some dogs here and there. Like, what, what are you going to do to upgrade? I mean, who do you trade? I, I mean, do, do, do other teams even want those guys? Or are they going to do something dumb and sad for us and trade Morell and go with Nikki Madrigal as their guy? I mean, if they do that, I'm going with Christopher Morell. Like, I, I was already tempted to go with Wilson Contreras. They just traded him to the one place I couldn't go with Wilson Contreras. Or not traded even. They just lost him to the one place I couldn't go. Yeah. Like, I, I'm already at a point this season where I'm like, huh, might watch some of the Reds game. Like, I just, I, this team flirts with being fun, and it's not always that fun. Um, yeah, that's what I was hoping for the role. You know, like, maybe then you get a home run helmet. Maybe then you get, like, uh, you know, king of the game jacket or something. But, you know, yeah, it's it's not, the vibes aren't there, but winning creates those vibes. And maybe this London series, I mean, they looked good in June. They beat good teams. Um, I actually, I don't know if the Pirates are a good team. But, you know, I do think St. Louis has just looked like total dog crap. And it would just be so fun to fly over there, beat the snot out of them, come back, you know, and just have that under our belts as a team. Like, I'm looking for some, like, what do they call that when it's like the positivity kind of rolls in on itself? Like it reinforces itself, the positivity. Um, you know what I'm Jenny, saying? I am having like the worst Monday. So I don't really I know, know I'm, I know that I'm I can zigging. be the like positive feedback loop girl right Yeah, now. feedback loop. That's <laughs> what I'm looking for, feedback loops. So I'm looking for the feedback loop here in June and getting to the all-star break. That's the next kind of little X I've got in the calendar. It's just like taking stock, what you got, and where are you? And there's no reason... After playing uh, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Milwaukee for four. Milwaukee for four that the Cubs cannot be in first place by the time that um, the All-Star break rolls around. And if they're not, I will be disappointed and I will tell everybody on this podcast all about how disappointed I am in the team. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah, have we previewed the series? We we kind of talked about the probable pitchers, but I was about to do the hot hitters when we got off on a morale tangent. And then, um, so but the I, rest- I got the, metaphysical with it, yeah. No, nah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, the rest of the Cubs hot hitters. Um, so Christopher Morrell, of course, has WRC plus of 197. He's slashing 343, 368, 771 over the last two weeks. Ian Happ um, is slashing 238, 407, 381 with a WRC plus of 128 over that time period. And Mike Taufman slashing 268, 380, 390 uh, with a WRC plus of 116 over that time over that time frame, which is great. Um, but that's really been it for the Cubs in terms of plus offensive production. Nico Horner has struggled, has struggled. He's got a WRC plus of 79 over the last two weeks. Say Suzuki is at 70. Dansby Swanson is at 50. Um, and Matt Mervis is back in Iowa. So I, I don't know. It seems like they're going to need some help from a few of their friends if they want to try to 
keep rolling through Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, the thing I'll say about Nico is that he's gotten clutch hits that even though that it, it's been colder for him, um, he got dropped down in the lineup. So did Dansby Swanson, by the way, maybe that's good. Get him going, uh, see what they could do. Maybe they're, maybe that's part of the, the plan there. And with Talkman up top, I mean, I'm a little shocked by how that's gone. I mean, I'm pleasantly surprised. He's proving that he's a really solid veteran fourth outfielder. He's not a young guy, but he's a local guy like Jack's the pride of Palatine, Mike Talkman. And, um, Pleasant surprise. I mean, when a guy can stay and be a solid ball player like him, making great plays out there in center too. Um, I don't know. I've been enjoying me some Mike Talkman. I don't expect it to last, but you know, a lefty bat, we've been needing that too. So, hey man, take your freaking uh, torch and run. Let's go. Mike Talkman, MVP, all star. Vote him in. <laughs> him and Morell. That I don't think Mike Talkman's going to be at the All Star Game. Morell will be at the All Star Game before Mike Talkman is. Talkman's been good though. The thing that's weird weird about him, and I we might have talked about this last time. I know we talked about this at the baseball game that we were just at, but his on base percentage is higher than his slugging. Like he's a dude who routinely put, posts an on base percentage above four hundred, but his slugging is like in the high three hundreds, like the three fifty three sixty range if he's lucky. And I mean you'll take that at the top of the lineup, but it's just such a weird skill set. I actually spent some time trying to see if I could find other guys who have similar types of uh, gaps where they have a positive differential between their on-base percentage and their slugging. There just aren't that many baseball players who have that skill set. Well, he finally got his slugging up with his first home run of the year. So that was, that helped out the differential slightly. He's now got a 359 slug. So that, that helped him out, but the OBP still 408. I mean, how do you not play that up top? And he, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like the job's too big for him. He's just quietly getting the job done. People don't yeah. know who he is. Like your average fan that showed up this weekend was like, who? Like, and then, you know, he's from Palatine, <laughs> you know, that's, Oh, great local boy, you know, but like nobody expects him to stick around, but if he keeps playing like this, how do you not let him? It's been cool. But that's a place that Morel's been playing in center. Yeah, they'll try to face off against some hot bats from the Pirates uh, that have cooled off considerably. They were much hotter when they came into Wrigley Field, and the Cubs kind of put a damper on that. Jack Sawinski still has a WRC plus of 160 over the last two weeks. Andrew McCutcheon is at 121. Brian Reynolds is at 120. That's really it for them. Carlos Santana is at 105, just missing the cutoff here. And then their colder bats, Jiwan Bay is at 70. Josh Palacios is at 61. Connor Joe's at 58. Austin Hedges is at 33. And Tucapita Marcano is at 28. And my favorite thing that I learned this weekend is that Tucapita Marcano is named after his hometown of Tucapita. Yeah, it's it's fun to say and probably fun to live there. Um, yeah, they uh, they got swept by the Brewers after getting swept by us. So they've had a really rough week. And uh, hopefully their fall from grace can continue as we, we can continue to let them walk the plank, if you will. Yeah. I'm hoping that the pirates continue their losing ways uh, as the Cubs head to Pittsburgh for three games. Danny, where can people find you and your takes as hopefully the pirates lose some baseball games this week? Well, uh, Sunranto at Sunranto. Also, I want to point out that the 
Shalbum, the shirt and album is still av- available at sunranter.com slash bleacher bum band really helps out the band as we continue our travels. Uh, next show, by the way, is July 8th in South Bend, Indiana at McCormick's Coney Island right there in South Bend after the South Bend Cubs game where me and bleacher Jeff will be singing the national anthem. So a lot of fun still to be had. We have group tickets available. Um, just follow me at Sunranto and all my socials and you'll find out all about the fun stuff that we're doing coming up. Awesome. Do not want to miss that. It's always a good time hanging out uh, with the Bleacher Bum Band with Danny and with uh, Bleacher Jeff. You can find me and my baseball takes at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow the show at at Cup of Cubby Blue. Uh, please leave us a five-star review and a rating at Bleacher Bunch Network so that other people can find the show and get some great Cubs Bleacher banter as well. Until next time.